0: Welcome to Fresh Take, where we at Florida Organic Growers speak to food systems experts about topics related to organic and sustainable agriculture, healthy lifestyles, and the environment. To help us continue our programs at FOG, including our podcast, consider becoming a sponsor. For more information on sponsorship, check out our Get Involved page on our website, www.foginfo.org.
1: Welcome, everyone, to our latest Fresh Steak episode. Today's episode is brought to you by Veranza Group. Uh, and today, we're very happy to be talking to Teresa Pemberton. Uh, Teresa is one of Florida Organic Growers' board members. And we're going to be talking about celebrating Earth Day through uh, organics. Uh, welcome, Teresa.
0: Hi, JC. How are you?
1: Doing great. Uh, we're so happy, Lana and I, Uh, that you are joining us today to talk about Earth Day, talk about, you know, your journey into organic ag. So maybe we should start there. If you could tell us a little bit about yourself, how it was that you got here, what was the journey like, and and just uh, share with our listeners how you became interested in in organic agriculture. Okay,
0: yeah, I'm... Uh, living east of Tampa in Hillsborough County and I grew up here I was the daughter of a rancher and citrus grower farmer as well he was farming some crops at that time when I was growing up and so I was a you know surrounded by that world and later on I had really wished to travel So as soon as the I grew up and I left this area, I traveled around the world extensively and in many places. I said I've said I've been around the world twice, but as a makeup artist, I went away from the farm to study makeup. And that led me into many campaigns of advertising in the most gorgeous places in the world. And but the whole time that I was doing that, I'd always had farming somewhere in me in the roots of, you know, my growing up. And I was constantly looking for what was going on in agriculture in these places, if if it was Indonesia or Africa or, you know, Brazil. And it kept me kind of grounded in this crazy business of fashion, which really led me to turning around and coming back to the farm, you know, coming back to this place that, I mean, I grew up on a dirt road, you know, I ended up living in New York City, and I was just really looking forward to coming back. And that's how I got involved.
1: And it's interesting, we we talked to many folks who didn't necessarily have experience or grew up in a farm, but that somehow uh, at some point in their lives, they got introduced to uh, farming and agriculture and understanding. And because we know you and know how passionate you are uh, and specifically about, you know, you've just mentioned some of the work that you were doing in the fashion world, but, you know, why organic and and, and how was it that you, you know, got connected with, with Fog as well?
0: Uh, I think the driving force behind my passion for organics was watching my grandparents live until they were 100 and my parents living into their mid-70s. And why? The questions of why. And if we do a timeline of when most of the industrialized, you know, um, let's say chemicals were introduced into agriculture... The timeline is like a blueprint. My parents were probably exposed to some of the heaviest times. My grandparents were not. My father died of Parkinson's disease, which is, a, you know, neurologic, definitely connected to what he was coming into contact with. And I lost my mother as well at a very early age in, in you know, considering. And I think that gave me kind of a, the drive to, for a clean answer, you know, in organics. And when I moved back to Florida from New York City 15 years ago, organics, it was a word for the farmers and somewhat still is and can be out here east of Tampa, kind of a foreign word. It wasn't in their vocabulary at all. And they really didn't know much about it. So they had been following these conventional practices and relying on those. But we're seeing a huge change.
2: Wow, you touched on a lot of things there, Teresa, and something that I think is really important to delve into further is the connection between our food, the planet, and, you know, planetary health, human health. These are quite large topics, and I'm wondering if you can express a little more how these things are really interconnected and and what is needed in order for there to be harmony between these things? I feel like soil is our
0: everything. It is uh, saving soil and it is truly, you know, one of my heroes is a doctor named Zach Bush and I follow him extensively. His work in soil and uh, regenerative farming has been exceptional. If you have the chance to listen to any of his work or view his farmer's footprint is his organization. He is a master and he has been studying the health of our soil and the depletion. As I can see when I drive around my area, the depleted fields, it's definitely something that we are working towards regenerative farming here and definitely in fog. For me, it will be education. And bringing up also the new generation to be excited to not be reliant on chemicals that are learning, you know, are receiving such a bad name. And it's, and that social media is really helping with this. And I think our future is bright in agriculture. And it was definitely very bright when I went to DC and saw all the young young farmers coming out to work with the farm bill.
2: Definitely I think there's um so much to be said about soil and the role that it plays in the environment and just exactly what you touched on the the chemicals that it you know is exposed to the things that it absorbs and ends up in our food as something that we all are becoming much more aware of. And the focus on organics is is definitely something that we're trying to do in terms of trying to limit or reduce some of those chemicals that we see in some of the agricultural farms. And speaking of some of those things as well, we want to highlight today upcoming holiday, Earth Day. Um, that's going to take place April 22nd takes place every year ever since the year 1970. And it's something that we want to celebrate truly every day. But it is a really good reminder for us to think about the precious planet that we live on, and all of the the limited resources that we have and impact us and how we impact them on a daily basis. So what do you think is the importance behind this holiday and and, and how should people truly celebrate this? Uh,
0: yes, uh, uh, celebrate our Mother Earth. And I love using the term Mother Earth because I think it gives such an um, importance of the care that she actually gives to us. I have a strong belief that we need to each individual show up well for her show up respecting, nurturing ourselves so that we are well, so that we can care for her. Because if we're not well in our being, how can we care for this beautiful magical planet that she's developed for us? If we're struggling or, you know, everything that we do for ourselves through food and what we eat and how we care for ourselves and, when we do that, we can show up for her, it, you know, like it's either a spiritual practice or just a wellness check-in uh, to keep our systems well for her. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's it's deep in me, you know, whether that be just meditating, walking in nature, really respecting yourself working with her because she will be fine we will suffer she can we can't really you know heal somehow but but she can heal us and so on earth day to honor her in a way whether that is spreading wildflowers I mean the Florida wildflower cooperative has these beautiful wildflowers that you can just do a little part to give back you know our our part on Earth Day or organize you know there's organizing maybe within your community a gathering, a pickup, uh, plastics there's so much that can be done, and we, we all know about this because the message is getting out there
2: yeah i think I think community is something that's really important here because le- learning about Earth Day has been quite interesting and just the beginnings of it in terms of the the major events that led to, th- to the to formation of Earth Day which were Rachel Carson's sorry Carson's
1: publication
2: yes. of Silent Spring in 1962 which as many people know it was one of the first environmentally focused publications that truly caught attention worldwide and then a couple of other events seem to have happened, one of which was the massive oil spill off of Santa Barbara and, and in 1969, and then a student-led anti-war movement inspired by Senator Gaylord Nelson in Wisconsin to announce a teach-in idea for college campuses specifically on April 22nd so that more students could participate between spring break and final exams. And understanding that this event was formed with just the community movement and people gathering and understanding, you know, that this had to be something that everyone had to get behind and it leading to other really important passages of the Environmental Protection Agency um, and a few other laws that really changed the game for this country.
0: I call that a green revolution.
2: <laughs> yes.
0: And we are here again.
2: <laughs> Absolutely. And and FOG is proudly an official Earth Day sponsor. And now individuals can become members by going online to earthday.org to find out about the different types of membership levels and to access free toolkits and fact sheets. So that's something that I really encourage everyone listening to check out. But we really want to go further into rallying for change. And Teresa, I know that you recently attended the DC climate change rally. So could you tell us what happened at that rally? What were you what you were there for? um, and, And touch on some of that experience? Yes, our visit to
0: Washington DC was incredible. The attendance was just awe inspiring. There were farmers from all over America, even from Puerto Rico, we had farmers from Kenya we all met for three days, and you know, together also went to Capitol Hill to speak to our representatives and to bring them what I called information from the field because the farmers they have it in their hands, climate solutions through farming, they see what's going on, they know what's needed and necessary. So we brought that straight to the office. we got great response. Uh, you know, they were very open and we spoke about many different things, the agriculture, conservation easement. My, my personal topic was land use and conservation because I see what's happening in Florida And maybe it's happening everywhere, but we are losing and we will lose if we keep the development at this level, a million acres by the time 2030 rolls around. Wow. So for wildlife, for farming, agriculture, we are losing land so rapidly. So the NRCS was just amazing for hosting this. So, there were three, there were also three topics that we concentrated on. It was farmer led climate solutions, Mm -hmm. also racial justice, and communities, not corporations. So, these were our three topics. And we also left our representatives, you know, some key notes on how to put this into the Farm Bill of 2023, which will be written this year. So it was important timing as well.
1: So uh, us being, of course, and always whenever we have a chance, you know, we are, after all, Florida Organic Growers. So we want to have conversations about, you know, the benefits and the role of organic agriculture in the environment. So just wanted to talk to you a little bit about that. And, and and Lana was reminding us of, you know, Rachel Carson, for example, who was so influential in the organic movement and many other of the, the events that were happening at the time. So those of us that obviously, you know, know about organics and are involved in the organic industry know the benefits of, uh, you know, organic farming practices. There is, uh, you know, a lot of studies from the Rodale Institute, for example, to talk about how we can sequester more CO2 emissions uh, just by implementing organic practices. Many people have already probably heard the term regenerative organic agriculture, which refers to working with nature and utilizing what's available to us in those systems like photosynthesis, which then help in drawing down some of those harmful gases and retaining them in the soil. So there's a lot of things that we know that's already been done when it relates to uh, organic and continue to be studied. But I want to go back, you know, you, of course, as as uh, a farmer now uh, and having a farm, really do see the differences in the benefits. And I know that you talk a lot to many other farmers and many other people bought organic what are some of the things that you're seeing when it comes to just the role of organics and you know in in the environment
0: Uh, locally here it's been a slow process of speaking to farmers and making them feel comfortable you know if they've been farming conventionally some of them feel especially the older farmers are you know it's quite a gamble to change your ways and you The practices that you've been used to so it's a slow um securing them that you know it's it's being done and it's being done super successfully and asking other farmers who are maybe doing it maybe doing the same crop say it's a peanut crop finding that peanut organic peanut farmer who can Mentor another farmer. So again, back to the education and giving them uh, the security. That is something that is is top as far as top of the list of bringing other farmers into the organics world and making them
1: secure. I'm so glad that you mentioned just now farmer mentors. Fog is now the lead, Southeast lead, Center for the Organic Transition Initiative. And among one of the key goals that this uh, project, which is a huge project going on around the country and helping farmers interested in transitioning to organic, obtain the tools, resources, information, knowledge that they need to make that transition, one of the key aspects of it is the farmer to farmer mentorship. And it is so important, those you know, farmers that are existing organic farmers or that have had their farm certified organic that they're mentoring and helping, you know, new the new generation of farmers or those farmers that perhaps are now considering, you know, organic practices. Because as we've been saying, you know, it, it just can help so much in terms of preventive erosion, the use of crop rotations and cover crops and some of the other practices that really does make a difference. And obviously, you know, many of the things that we're talking about really do impact our environment.
0: In DC, we met many farmers that are from indigenous, you know, and black and Brown farmers that have this ancient, this wisdom that's been passed through and we need to listen up. We need to, you know, they're advocating for so many things that mean so much in farming and they have that wisdom and we need to, to dedicate, you know, the sustainable farming knowledge that is present in the migrant and indigenous communities. There were several groups that were there in D.C., Haki being one, which means justice in Swahili, and they were a beautiful group. Also, Chili Yazi, who's an earth defender from the Navajo Nation. He was amazing. He, you know, is a human rights and, and fighting the exploitation of our Mother Earth is his aim. And he just made so much simple sense. I mean, just really down to earth, let's say, simple sense in farming. And we need to just learn from this.
2: Yeah, that must have been such a humbling experience, Teresa, having those kinds of conversations and learning from, like you say, the the experts who have been doing this for so long and understanding that we don't always have to be recreating the wheel. Like There is knowledge out there that has been passed down for generations and is truly valuable. But, you know, bringing that to light is really something that we should be working towards doing. And in addition to all of this new technology that we have these days as well.
0: I think the no-till movement is, is just genius. And, I mean, I, you know, of course I see tilling happening here in the strawberry fields that are conventional, and the but you see the the residue and the soil that looks I mean you just drive by some of these strawberry fields and and it looks like an atomic bomb went off I mean there's nothing going on so yes I know that cover crops and rotation of crops are coming but we're still we're still very behind here we need to be I, I was just in California and. You know, the high tunnels that they're using there, they're everywhere and solar and they're just a little bit further forward than we are. And so I I hope that we as Floridians, you know, step it up a notch and, and uh, get with what's happening. And I think no-till is a big revolution.
2: Yeah. And speaking of that, I feel like there are so many other ways that uh, that people listening can participate in celebrating Earth Day on a daily basis. And, you know, we, we all know what we buy as far as our food choices makes a really big impact in terms of, you know, our, our consumer decisions, right? And so something that I came across recently was um, something called A Better Basket by the World Wildlife Foundation, which is trying to promote more environmentally friendly food choices. And that involves, you know, consuming more plants, having more variety in your diet, more responsible seafood choices, less food waste, homegrown food specifically. And I know that you going back to the farm, back to your roots, I really enjoyed, you know, learning about your background in fashion and understanding even something that you called fashion for farming, which is when you were trying to understand the different agricultural practices worldwide while you were traveling with your original career. And I want to learn more about, based on your experience, how can people try to go back to their roots in terms of growing their own food and trying to adopt more organic practices even at their own home?
0: Yeah. And there's, you know, there's so much information available now that there wasn't some years ago before our social media. There's garden clubs and fog has so much information that they're constantly um, on Instagram and on their website. For example, bees. I mean, when I came back, I mean, there are beekeepers all over the world. And that is such like an important I know that the USDA categorizes bees as livestock because they're of uh, their important role in pollination. But um, there is a new book called What a Bee Knows by a pollination ecologist named Stephen Buckman. And he's been studying bees for 40 years and... He has a great take on the, the personality of bees. He's exploring like their thoughts and their memories and how they're sentient beings. Oh. So I have bees now on my farm. It was something i had never experienced, you know, raising bees. And I was more into citrus growing, but the citrus crops are really struggling in Florida, as we know. So I've lost most of all of my citrus and i'm turning to bees and i think that everyone even if you're growing herbs for your it's just going to make a huge difference in your in your kitchen and your cuisine if you're growing something as simple as herbs but i think everyone also keeping it local so as i was traveling around the world i would visit the local farmers markets and feel the feeling of what the farmers in that area were doing. I learned that stinging nettles, for example, in Eastern Europe were used in cooking it was something that I had no idea because stinging nettles here in Florida are something that you definitely steer away from. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but they were using it in their cooking and making stuffing and dressings. And they, they were teas, you know, there's nettle teas that are very, medicinal. So I picked up a lot of information through travel, but being home and being local, we cut down on the transportation, for example. Absolutely. And the pollution from transportation of food.
1: So Teresa, it's it's interesting you mentioned local foods and and, and just even you know, for everyone listening and everyone who's near a farm or a farmers market, you know the idea that you can that you support those farmers and the local food around you is very important. And in fact, Fog has just recently launched its new local food promotion program project. This is a three-year project, and one of the things that we're going to be doing during the next three years is trying to make more connections among all the various local food actors, that means farmers, restaurants, other uh, local food entrepreneurs. So there is going to be, hopefully, in those communities that are going to be part of the project, more local foods available to consumers, because we're all in it together. So so you're, you're absolutely right, uh, and we all agree with you that again another way that we can contribute is by supporting more you know local foods and our local farmers. Definitely.
2: To add to what JC is saying we are really excited about that local food project and putting together a better established local food network so that we could increase those sales across the state and have people have more access to local foods across Florida because we have an abundance of products to offer. And it's it's a really powerful thing to, you know, put our local food players at the forefront of the food system and try to engage our local consumers in what's happening on the ground in the state of Florida. And I think if
0: you have your own home garden, the USDA is offering good incentives with the high tunnels to protect your home gardens from the heat that we're experiencing. And especially right now we're experiencing a lot of, you know, really extremely hot days and very dry. We've had no rain for weeks. So that's a something that people can look into are using the high tunnels for protecting maybe just your, your backyard garden.
1: Yeah, and and that's, uh, uh, thank you, Teresa, for that. That is through the Environmental Quality Incentives Program, which is part of the NRCS, the Natural Resource and Conservation Service, that absolutely, you know, it's uh, something that, especially farmers, can look into and benefit from. And and we just want to, you know, thank you, Teresa, so much for, you know, talking to us today. We've covered quite a bit, as we've been, Talking about Earth Day, and of course, uh, as Lana was saying, you know, Earth Day should be every day, but especially this year, we hope that you know, some of the information, some of the things that we discuss, and we've you know had the luck that Teresa has shared with us, the people can sort of consider as uh, you know they make you know decisions about what food they're going to eat, where they're going to, you know. Buy their food and from farmers who are considering also organic practices. This is definitely something that we can all, you know, benefit from. So thank you, Teresa, for uh, talking to us today.
0: Oh, you're so welcome, and thank you for having me. and Let's keep this green revolution going. It's, it's something that we need desperately, and find the medicine in all things because it all the gardening, the support for the farmers. It's also healing and and the direction that we need to be headed into.
1: Yeah, thank you. And a special shout out again to uh, Veranza Group for sponsoring this week's Fresh Take episode. Veranza Region Florida Organic Compost is a OMRI listed compost, which uh, organic farmers can use. Thank you. And to everyone listening, you know, we again, thank you for tuning in and we invite you to continue to listen to our episodes. Thank you very much.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's episode. Florida Organic Growers is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. So to keep our content available and free to the public, we need your help. Please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen. And consider making a tax-deductible donation or become a sponsor. Learn more about our work and how you can become a sponsor from our website, www.boginfo.org.